People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church, whether you are a longtime member or worshiping with us for the very first time. We welcome you. It is a delight to have you worshiping with us this day. I do want to draw your attention to one announcement today, and that is that on Sunday, January 31st, two weeks from today, we will be holding a congregational meeting over Zoom at 11.30 a.m. immediately following worship. And that meeting will be for the purpose of approving the 2021 pastoral terms of call and reviewing the 2021 MPC budget together. So those of you who are active members in the life of the church, we hope you will take the time to attend again at 11.30 in the morning, two weeks from today on Sunday, January 31st. That meeting will take place over Zoom and a link will be sent out the night before. If you would like instructions, about how you can call in by phone, please contact our church office and we'll be more than happy to provide those. Friends, as I drove into work this morning, I was more aware than ever that my drive takes me right by the New Jersey Capitol Complex. I was more aware than ever that our church sits but a mile from the New Jersey State Capitol. And on my Sunday drive at 7.30 in the morning, I might typically pass one, maybe two police officers. Today, at 7.30 in the morning, I passed 23. As threats of violence and armed protests scatter the news, a nation, our nation, woke up today uncertain what might unfold today and in the days to come. Trenton and Morrisville woke up uncertain what might unfold on their doorstep. And so, people of God, let us pray today for our nation, for our city, for our siblings in Christ in Trenton, for people who showed up to work today knowing the safety of this community is in their hands. Let us pray for safety and protection but perhaps more than ever, let us pray for peace and understanding and for a love of God, a love of God to reach beyond any human expectations or limitations we might set. Let us pray together. Merciful God, as we enter into worship this day, we pray for your safety and your protection. We pray for peace and understanding that we may not even believe is possible, O oh God, but we know you are a God who makes cedars break and oaks whirl, and so help us to put our trust in you this day. Help us to be people of prayer as we've never been before for our country, for our community, for our siblings in Christ across the river. For all those called to protect and serve this day, surround them with your protective embrace and your arms of safety. May your peace prevail above all else. And as we reflect this weekend upon the life and witness of your child, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., may we remember his words that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. 
Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And so may we be your people of light and love, O God. May we be those people in our worship, in our families, in our neighborhoods and communities and in our country. May the world know once again the sweet, sweet hymn that you will know we are Christians by our love, not merely because we can sing it, but because we embody it in every aspect of our lives. You know us through and through, O God. You know our every thought, our every word, before it is even on our tongue, and so remind us today, God, that you are the one who created us. You are the one who claimed us, and you are the one who empowers us to be your church in this world, praying for peace, leading with love and relying fully on the grace and mercy of your Son, Jesus Christ, every step of the way. Today and every day, may your children be held in the safe and loving embrace of your arms, and may our lives and our worship be pleasing to you. All this we ask in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us worship God together. People of prayer, God gathers us together on this Sabbath day, together in love. So I invite you now to turn to your bulletin and join in our responsive call to worship. The one who calls us together this day yearns for each of us and for all people to hear and be blessed. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Come and see the grace of God. Christ, our teacher and our friend. Christ, our healer and salvation. God is moving in our worship today. Come and see. Let us worship God together. Assured that the one who calls us to worship, to hear, and to obey already knows the confessions of our hearts and is ready to forgive, let us confess our sin before God and before one another. God of abundant mercy, you embodied love for us in the life of Jesus Christ. You ate with sinners and shared with outcasts. You loved with boldness and healed with grace. Forgive us, O God, when we do not trust your love, when we doubt whether we are worthy of your care. Forgive us, O God, when we try to cheapen love, when we limit it to shallow feelings instead of bold actions. Help us, O God, when we cannot feel your love, when we are isolated, afraid, and unable to see your presence. Forgive us, O God, of the ways we fall short. Free us to try again and let your love lead the way.
beloved of God, hear the good news. The God who has known you from the beginning is the same God whose love you can never escape and whose grace will be showered upon you again and again. Together, let us proclaim this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Well, hello there, young friends. It is great to see you again this morning. This morning, I would like to talk to you about my friend Olaf. Olaf is a snowman in the movies Frozen and Frozen 2. And in the movie Frozen 2, Olaf helps his friends, Anna and Elsa. He tries as best as he can, but they run into some trouble. In the middle of the movie, things don't go as well as planned. Things kind of fall apart. And so while Anna and Elsa are trying to figure out what to do, trying to make sense of things that are going out of control, they don't notice what Olaf is doing. And what Olaf was doing was he gathered his friends together and he had them build Olaf back together. They put his hands and his arms back together, the twigs of the snowman. They put his uh, body back together, the, the snow that makes his belly. They put his face back together, the carrots and the coals. And they even put some icicles on his face to make his face a little more funnier. And Olaf was sitting there laughing with his friends, and he called this taking control of things that you can when things are out of control. And so the reason why I'm talking to you about our friend Olaf is because the Bible tells us something similar. The Bible tells us that sometimes in life, in stories, things get difficult. Things can be challenging. Things might fall apart. And what the Bible tells us to do is to gather together and to pick up things one thing at a time. We try to fix ourselves and fix the situation one piece at a time until it's all back together again. So if you find this week to be difficult or, or any time to be difficult, let's see if we can do that together. We can gather together and pick up the pieces one piece at a time until things are okay again. Do you think you can do that? Okay, let's try to be like Olaf. Please pray with me. Repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you for one another and that you help us when things are difficult. And we pray 
that you might you remind us to trust you and do as best as we can amen see you later young friends As we prepare our hearts to hear God's word, let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is a responsive reading from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. We invite you to participate in the proclamation of the word as it is printed in your home worship bulletin. From Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and be pleasing to you, O God, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I won't speak for all pastors when I say this, but I think it's fair to say I speak for a lot of them, if not most of them. When I tell you that there's a very important question pastors ask themselves every time 
They sit in a chair to have their hair cut. Or every time they find themselves squeezing into a full row on an airplane. Or every time they attend a party or a gathering where they don't really know anybody. And the question is, am I going to tell the truth? Am I going to tell the truth the moment someone asks me, so what do you do? So what do you do? It's a fairly harmless question. Small talk, really, a common question we've all asked, all answered. But when you think about it, so what do you do is really more of a socially acceptable, not so intimate way of asking who are you in this world. So what do you do? Who are you? But am I going to tell the truth when the new hairdresser asks, so what do you do? Or when the woman excitedly traveling to Chicago to see her grandchildren asks, so what do you do? Or when I find myself in the corner of a loud party with a couple of strangers and the retired army colonel turns to me and says, so what do you do? I will confess to you that at the end of my split-second inner turmoil, I almost always tell the truth, and at the very least tell some version of the truth, like, I work at a church. But usually it's the whole truth. And typically I get one of three responses. One, the person who I'm speaking to gets noticeably uncomfortable or doesn't really know how to respond, so they change the subject or move on to small talk about the weather or a movie suddenly remember someone they, somewhere they urgently need to be. Number two, the person apologizes for swearing two minutes ago, and if flustered, actually swears again in the midst of the apology, making sure they have to apologize again. Or number three, which is the reason I hesitate to tell the truth in the first place. The person in front of me or the one cutting my hair, or the one who is squeezed in next to me on the plane, begins to tell me everything. Years ago, when I was searching for a new hairdresser, I walked into a new salon. I sat down in Dawn's chair. And after we discussed the plans for my haircut that day, the inevitable question came, so what do you do? And I took a deep breath, and I made my split-second decision and said, I'm a pastor at a church down the street. And it started out pretty run-of-the-mill if someone isn't completely scared off. Oh, well, that's cool. So you're like a priest? I didn't think a woman could be a priest. Well, I'm not Catholic. I'm Presbyterian. And yes, I can be a pastor, even as a woman. And... And then I began flipping through my People magazine, hoping that maybe we could change the subject or talk about a movie that's out or something. But Dawn continued to ask questions. So do you give sermons and stuff? You work on Sunday. What do you do on the other days? You, you seem too young to be a priest. I, I mean a pastor. Sorry, I'm Catholic. And I answered politely. And I nodded when needed. And I continued to flip through my People magazine off and on throughout this conversation. And then it got quiet, thankfully. And I tilted my head down as much as I could toward my magazine, flipping through the pages, listening to her cut and trim my hair. 
And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw two drops of water on the ground. And then a third, and then a fourth. And I looked up in the mirror in front of both of us, and I realized that Dawn was crying. And I closed my magazine, and for the next 45 minutes, I heard about Dawn's life, her failed relationships, her long struggle with infertility, how she'd always wanted children. I heard about her divorce that seemed to have emerged out of this struggle with infertility. I heard about her nieces and her nephews, who she loved dearly but had trouble being around because they made her yearn for a child of her own. She told me how adoption was too expensive, so she put it off year after year, and how eventually, well into her 40s, she felt like it was too late. I listened as she talked through making peace with it all, but you could tell it was more of a hoped-for peace rather than a peace that she truly embraced. She talked. I listened as the scissors cut and trimmed my hair. It was the longest haircut I'd ever received. And I realized that Dawn needed it far more than I did. Dawn certainly stands out in my memory, but I don't think she's especially unique in her desire to share her story, in her desire to feel known and understood by another. Granted, not all of us have been in Dawn's shoes, pouring out our heart to a complete stranger, but that desire can still be there, to be known, to be seen. Some of us shove away that human desire, pretending we are made of steel, closing ourselves off to others who might, might knock on the door of our hearts and our minds. After all, if they really knew me, would they still want me? Would they still care? If they really knew what I was struggling with, would they still love me? I imagine whether we'd like to admit it or not, we've all known that ache of loneliness or isolation from time to time, some feeling as if the world doesn't understand, that those around us couldn't possibly appreciate the ache in our hearts or the darkness that fills our minds. Perhaps that loneliness or isolation has even come when we've been utterly surrounded by care and support, and people we love. But we still don't feel known. Still don't feel seen. Still feel as if we're going through the motions of our lives, and the people around us don't fully know us at all. For any of us who have yearned to be known, whether in a crowded room, surrounded by people, or alone at night, aching for relief from grief or pain, the psalmist today provides a balm to our souls. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. 
You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. In the exquisite poetry of Psalm 139, the psalmist reminds us that whether we are aware of God or not, we are known completely by the God to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. But that can be a pretty vulnerable reminder for those of us who prefer to live this life with a bit of mystery, or who at least prefer to keep to ourselves, building walls around our hearts, hiding our true selves or the real desires of our heart from the world. Heck, it can even be vulnerable for people who wear their hearts on their sleeves. What do you mean, God knows me completely? We all have things we'd rather hide from the world. We all have things we'd rather hide, certainly, from God. Desires or thoughts we hope will never be found or discovered, but God knows them all. God knows them completely. And as the psalmist declares... And yet you are still with me. God still loves you. The psalmist finds her greatest comfort knowing that God knows her better than she even knows herself. God knows her, hears her. Her every cry, her every ache, her every grief, and every joy more completely than anyone else ever could. For it was you, you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. It was a comfort beyond any comfort the psalmist had known before. I've met some version of Dawn on a number of occasions throughout my life on an airplane, on a street corner, waiting for a train, at a table that was full of people I didn't know. Many of these exchanges ending with some version of, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Each story is different, but the sharing of each starts with, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. 
And I'm sure I could interpret each of these occurrences as having something to do with me, that I'm approachable or I put people at ease, they can talk to me. But it's not just me these things happen to. Ask any pastor you know, they all have some version of this story. And so then I have wondered, well, maybe it's just the way of pastors, and every pastor must be approachable and easy to talk to, but I'm sure you've met enough pastors in your life to know that's not even necessarily true. And so as I have pondered this over the years, as I continue to ponder why these exchanges happen, I think what I have come to realize is that for five minutes, or 45 minutes, or two hours, or for however long we have together, this exchange has almost nothing to do with me. And instead, there is a felt sense that when I answer, I'm a pastor, I am the closest thing in that moment they know to God. And on some deep level, they can't fully explain, can never fully articulate. They know the words of this psalm because it's a song that has been written on their heart and every heart from the very beginning. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Even when we feel all alone, even when we do not feel as if anyone knows us or understands us, even when we do not know who we are, we can be assured we can be assured, friends, that we are fully known by the one to whom we belong, body and soul in life and death. William Brown fittingly observes, there are no moments, distant and dark though they might be, in which God is absent. Others may not understand the pain, the hurt, the abandonment, the rejection, and the loneliness, but God does. And despite all our vigorous efforts to keep ourselves from the truth of who we are and whose we are, there is someone who will always intrude, not like an unwanted guest, but as judge, advocate, friend, savior, one who knows us better than we know ourselves, one who claims us in compassion, always. The one who knows you intimately and knit you together before you were born is the one who says again and again, I am still with you. I think on that day with dawn as I sat there having my hair cut, I think what was happening between us was this reminder, this song in this heart, in her heart that she knew, I am still with you. I hear you. I know you. I see you. You have never been separated from my love. So next time you're asked, so what do you do? I feel sure you will answer in whatever way you always do, but I also hope 
I hope you will remember the important question underneath. So what do you do? Who are you in this world? So what do you do? Who are you? And I pray that you will remember this psalm. I pray that a smile will break out across your face or your heart and you will know no matter what is happening in that moment or in your life or in the shambles that are left behind, I, know, I hope that you will know with every fiber of your being that you are known by the one who claimed you from the beginning. No matter how else you might be feeling, you are known you are loved. I am still with you. So what do you do? Who are you in this world? I am a child of God. Always, always and always. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before our God who knows us, who loves us, who is with us, let us affirm what we believe in our faith. I invite you to turn to your bulletin and join me as we affirm our faith through the words of the brief statement of faith. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female of every race and people, to live as one community. But we rebel against God. We hide from our Creator. Ignoring God's commandments, we violate the image of God in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation. Yet God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth, hearing their cry, God delivering the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant, like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved of God, for the next few minutes, 
Let us sit in God's presence as we reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed this day. This time is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in all the many places where we are worshiping today. Let us open our hearts and minds to the gift of God's presence. Let us pray once more. God of abundant knowing, we bring everything we are and everything we have to you this morning with gratitude for your unconditional love, with humility for your unending forgiveness, and with requests for your infinite compassion and wisdom, we dare to approach your glory. We are weary, Lord. Our prayers seem longer than our days. Lists of people, hearts, bodies, nations, and systems all crying out for your healing and restoration. We confess we could pray nonstop and there would not be enough time for all of our wor words. This morning, in particular, we pray for the nations, God. For those around the world entrusted with the care of their citizens in this time of a global pandemic, we name this morning our nation, the United States. 
As we enter this week, we hope for peace, we long for peace, we pray for peace, Prince of Peace, we cry out for righteousness, and that our leaders may be formed of your wisdom and integrity. God of peace, we pray for the church in the world. We wait in anticipation for the low to be lifted up, for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Deliver us from the powers and principalities which lay claim to our world, O God. Racism, sexism, ableism, greed, and so many more. On this week, when we remember the life and service of your saint, Martin Luther King Jr., who spoke truth to power, who crossed bridges and built bridges. O God, we ask that you would bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people, and that your love may stir us into action. Open our mouths to speak of your truth, your compassion, and your comfort to the systems but also to one another. Reveal to us your glory and the dignity of each and every person we encounter. This morning we lift up to you, father, mother, brother, sister, cousin, friend, acquaintance, co-worker, stranger, other. We feel estranged from one another and from you. Do not abandon us to isolation, but draw us back together. Form us in mutual relationship. Grant us rest that we might remember who we are and to whom we belong. Rest with us in a hope, in your hope, which we have known from the beginning, even before the waters of baptism anointed our heads. Bestow your healing power upon our bodies, which ache from physical and mental ailments. For all of the concerns named here and for all of the concerns not named here, hear the prayers of our hearts, O Lord. For we rest confident that you are closer than our own breath, that you have searched us and know us and love us still. For you are with us always, even to the end of the age. We know this through the power and teaching of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So what do you do? Who are you in this world? I pray, friends, as you go out into the world, you may go with the assurance of the psalmist who reminds you who you are in this world is one who is loved, one who is known, 
one who is seen beyond your imagining, the darkness and the light, the things you want to keep hidden and the things you show to the world. You are known, you are loved, you are seen. You are a child of the God who proclaims, I am still with you. I will always love you. As we go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. Together we say, Amen.